Hello, lab experts. Once again, welcome to the Laboratory Diagnostics podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be going into a more general direction. We're going to be talking about urinalysis. And to help us in this discussion, we are here today with a medical laboratory scientist, Irene Zay Steven, and he's going to tell us a little bit about himself before we begin. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you interested in the field of medical laboratory science? Uh, my name is Steven Tuchuku Arize, medical laboratory scientist. I graduated from the University of Nigeria and Suka, where I went medical laboratory sciences in 2012. I did internship at the State House Medical Center, Asurok, Abuja. After that, I also did my services, like National Youth Service Corps. Mm-hmm. in Abuja. My PPU was at Gariki Hospital, Abuja. I, after service, I started working with His Glory Hospital, Koka, Lagos. So that is where mm-hmm. I presently work. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And what got you interested in medical laboratory science? We all have our different paths to which we sort of some people actually looked for the field and then came gently to it. And then some of us kind of fell into it. Which one are you? What group are you? Um, <laughs> I, you know, when I wanted to go to the university, I, my first choice actually was medicine. My second choice was medical lab science. Okay. You know, that makes same thing was, you know, we were, be, we didn't know much about medical life science, actually. What we, we knew was medicine, medicine, you know. We thought anybody in the medical profession read medicine. Maybe after reading medicine, that they will now go out to specialize, maybe as medical life scientists, physiotherapists, mm-hmm. radi- um, radiographer, and the rest like that. I never knew um, it's possible to, you know, study something related to laboratory first. Because I also yeah. hear of um, pathologists and the rest. So that medical life science I just put was because I saw it there. I didn't actually believe, um, you know, <laughs> it was actually there. You know, yeah. It was mixing, mixing, mixing. That was my intention. But, you know, all the same as God behave it, I got medical laboratory sciences and I'm happy I read the course. Because if yeah. I have read medicine, I would say if I'm a safe, the laboratory, yeah, maybe <laughs> as a pathologist or so, but you know, but I'm fulfilled as a medical laboratory scientist. Yes, uh, so much fun to be a medical laboratory scientist. You know, you do you play with bacteria, play with parasites, you see them, you know, you look on these things, you diagnose, you, you know, it's fun mm-hmm. to work in the laboratory. Yeah, so yes, that means... there's some doctors, fighters, and they want to work in the lab. You know, so it's not, um, you know, it's actually fun. I would, yeah. have, I, would, I would just imagine what would it be if I, I become a doctor, sit down, consult people, you know, maybe I'm a surgeon or something, then go up to go and do, and go to the theater, come back, talk on the, you know? No, I don't like that kind of, I think I like yeah. the way I'm, you know, working with the microscope, working with machines, and diagnosing diseases, and you know, mm-hmm. seeing the things that are rare to come by. Yeah, I'm happy. Yeah. 
So essentially, you fell into medical laboratory science, science, but then you loved it from from that point onward. Yes, yes, yeah. I loved it so much. So talking about diagnosis and then using um, all other tools that we have in order to diagnose patients. Uh, today, we want to talk a bit about urinalysis. Now, urinalysis, I think, is one of those tests that people outside the hospital don't really know about as much until, let's say, a doctor asks them to urinate in a cup or in a sterile container. And then usually, I guess, they don't even know what happens to that urine sample or where it goes. So for someone like from the general public who is watching this, who may like to have an idea, what is urinalysis? Okay. Uh, urinalysis is one of the compulsory tests, you know, everybody should do. You know, even, you, even if you're not um, giving, you're not in the hospital bed, you know, maybe you just visited the hospital, Urinalysis is advisable. You know, it's advised that you do a urinalysis test because it doesn't take time. In fact, in less than five, 10 minutes, you should get your results. Urinalysis is compulsory in the sense that it's, you know, it can give a doctor a summary of what is actually happening in your system, like your kidney, your um, liver, and then um, the blood system to check if someone is diabetic, you know, yeah. if there's any serious issue. Urinalysis has actually saved a lot of people, it has saved lives. It also means um, routine urine analysis. Mm -hmm. So they just combine the two ways to start calling it urinalysis. So routine urine analysis. So is a physical, chemical and microscopic examination of urine. Although some labs don't do microscopy, but what some lab understand it as is just the physical and chemical examination of urine. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what does the microscopy allow you to do, to determine? Um, okay, you use the microscope now to mm -hmm. view the urine sediments. After studying the urine, you decant, and then you view the sediments. And then you see dead white blood cells. You know, if they are high, you know, infection, you know, mm -hmm. which can be, yeah, which is dangerous. Maybe probably person having a urinary tract infection, and then, uh, or, you know, pyelonephritis. Okay, the, yeah. so the post cells, the epithelial cells, and then for a woman, uh, when you look at post cells, I mean, when you look at the epithelial cells, you might also be seeing some clue cells. There are some cells called clue cells, C-L-U-E, clue cells. Mm -hmm. These are cells that, you know, they are actually epithelial cells, but they have bacteria in them, and they can, they, they are, they can serve as pointers to, uh, what is it called? bacterial vaginosis. And then the other things you also look at for crystals, casts, um, bacteria, yeast cells, red cells, red blood cells, what else, and et cetera. These are the things you yeah. look at for them in the microscopy. They're also actually important, like for kidney stones. If you see more of crystals, you know, 
although the size actually is important too, that one will mm -hmm. be done from scan to know the size of the crystals, you know? Yeah. You start talking about kidney stones, you know? And then even you to looking at the size from the microscope, you can tell, oh, is this kidney stone or not? You know? The size yeah. matter a lot. Especially on a fresh urine sample, maybe urine sample that is not more than six hours, you know, yeah. after production. Because the longer the urine stays, the more the crystals will start coming, uh, you know. There will have been, yeah. So from what you are saying, it looks like you can do a lot from the urine because originally you talked about being able to assess the state of the kidneys. You talked about being able to assess the state of the, of the liver. You talked about inflammation. So it looks like in the urine, there's actually a lot of information to be able to assess anybody's health. So I guess that's why you were saying that it's uh, one of the compulsory examinations that we should do. Yes, yes. Um, it's very, there are so many things. In fact, let me, when I, when I start going through this uh, analysis, you find out that, that there are so many things one can do with a urine sample. And you know, this analysis, which, which is a mm -hmm. deep stick test. When a okay. deep stick, now you get the strip, you dip, and then you read. You know, it's, it's, it's a two-minute test, but it's powerful. Yes. Yes, it's powerful. It can show you a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Now, let's talk about, before we continue, let's talk about collection of urine. That, was, that is also an important uh, thing to talk about. Yeah. Now, the urine sample, the best urine sample to be collected for this um, urinalysis is a clean catch urine or midstream or a catheterized urine sample. I will explain. Clean catch. Now you want to, one wants to get the urine. One is advised, you know, when you want, the person wants to urinate, the person shouldn't just put the bottle immediately and start collecting the urine. No, the person should just wait. You know, as the urine is passing through, you know, the person is urinating, yeah. then in, in between, that is the duration, the person will just put the bottle. Then before the person will even stop urinating, the person will remove the bottle immediately. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean by a clean catch urine or a midstream urine in the sense that the person wants to urinate, you pour the first portion of your urine, you stop, you pause. Then you pour the second portion in the bottle, then you pause again. Then the last portion you pour out. Yeah. Yes, you pour the last portion. Then for your catheterized urine, the urine you get from a catheter. Mm -hmm. You know a catheter now, yes. The, the bag that enables those people that have kidney issues or, or some other issues to be able to urinate. You pass a bag, you know, to their bladder to collect the yeah, urine sample. sample. So you can also get the, yeah, you can also get the urine from the catheter. So now, these are when it comes to, three... yeah, when it comes to these methods of collection, uh, why are there different methods? How come there is not just one method? Uh, when you look at them very well, they are actually, Especially the clean catch and the midstream urine, they are almost the same thing. But you need to explain to people what you actually mean. You are looking at for the middle portion of the urine. Why is this so? One is, is because the middle portion of the urine is 
seen as the part, the part of the urine that is free from you no know, skin flora. Yes, okay. like vaginal washings, secretions, mm-hmm. um, you know, all those things will be around the private parts. Yeah. You know, for a man, so all those things, even semen, maybe the person just finished having sex, you know, and you want to get urine samples. Yes, there's some of the traces of the semen will be in the urine. So all these things, you tell them to, you know, that midstream urine or a clean cash urine is very important for the test. And then the skin flora, Sometimes you might even see, uh, maybe the urine should be cultured, might be seen something like staph, staphylococcus, epidemides, and then someone will say, oh, this is infection, you know? Is infection, mm-hmm. is this one, is that, you know? So, so avoid all those things, contaminant from the skin, clean catch urine or a midstream urine is the best. And then for a lady too that is menstruating, Mystery urine still, although they might see the traces of blood in the analysis, but mystery urine still is the best. Let's say I'm a patient and I come to the lab. Uh, do I have to take the sample at the lab right then and there, or do I have to go home? I think there are also some samples where in some cases okay, they may okay, ask yes. you to um, take it at a particular time. Okay, 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 okay. that's a very good question. Um, the f- best urine sample for your analysis usually early morning urine. That is the best urine sample for urinalysis. But in the situation whereby someone was rushing to the emergency, probably the person is having diabetic ketoacidosis and the patient is in coma, okay? But when I start talking, you understand what I mean by diabetic ketoacidosis. Mm -hmm. And patient, there is the high point of diabetes, mellitus. And the person is in coma, you will not say, oh, and, and then, or the person is about to go to coma. For example, the person is feeling dizzy. You know, mm-hmm. you will not say wait the following morning before <laughs> you get your urine sample. Or the person is having some pains, abdominal pains, and the doctor is suspecting pyelonephritis, and he wants to know if there is a if you don't do a urinalysis, let's know if you can see leukocytes. Because when you see leukocytes, it means the person has a, a urinary tract infection. The person actually has infection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and doctor wants to just have idea to know whether to recommend antibiotics. And then you go ahead with the, 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 analysis, the culture and then urinalysis, you know, but the doctor wants to know. You will not be telling the person, come back the following day. You don't know whether the person will yeah. come back the following day, whether it become worse, whether yeah. a kidney should have come up, and that kind of thing. So the best, sometimes, the, first, the, the best urine sample is actually early morning urine or morning urine. You know, maybe a few hours after waking up, morning urine. But in a situation whereby you can't um, get more early morning urine, the patient is advised to give up spot urine because if the case is serious. But someone like you now that you're looking healthy, going to the hospital, I think the best urine samples for you will be that um, early, morning. early morning you're in because there's nothing actually obviously wrong with you. You just want to do a checkup. So that early morning urine is best for you. Okay, so I was talking about collection of the urine sample. I will talk about the, how you collect the urine samples. And this should, this should be done in a clean, dry container. Okay? okay. Clean, dry, sterile container. Hmm? Container that has not been used before give to the patient to get the urine. But some people, they reuse bottles. 
Yes, is for me it's not advisable anyway. But um, if the patient can pay a lot for the for your analysis, why not give them clean bottom? How much yeah, is the bottom? Yeah. Yes, clean them. Give them sterile bottom to put get their urine, and then you examine the urine as soon as possible. Yes, even the everything you wanted to do the. Um, including the microscopic culture and sensitivity, every, I, mean, the, I mean, including the microscopy. I'm not talking about, you after culturing now, you start doing, you know, microscopy and the rest. But everything should be done as soon as possible, ASAP. So routine tests for urine analysis. Certain tests are graded according to their degree of accuracy. Screening or qualitative tests as positive or negative. So when you talk about qualitative tests or screening tests, you put them as positive or negative. Or people will use present, absent, depending. And then for semi-quantitative tests, results are graded as negative. Trace, one plus, two plus, three plus, three, uh, or four plus. Analysis does not account accurately for quantitative test results. It doesn't account accurately for quantitative tests. When I talk about quantitative tests, I'm talking about figures. You start using figures. Now, let's say, for example, you did uh, analysis now, and the, the glucose is showing two plus. And then you start, uh, you, maybe you start to quantitate. Oh, this should be like 200 milligrams of uh, glucose. But delay, be, you know, this is 200 milligram of glucose. I think you, know, you start saying that kind of no, that analysis would not give you the accurate value. So in order to get the accurate value, you start talking about using machines to do some mm -hmm. tests, like glucose tests, or depending on the parameter you're looking at for, you know, to quantitate it accurately. So it will, it will just give you results for qualitative tests and semi-quantitative tests as well. So the physical properties of physical examination or microscopic examination of the urine, that's what I want to talk about now, because the, yeah. the physical examination microscopic, or microscopic examination, they are based on the physical properties of the urine, as we're going to see now, what I mean by the physical properties. Properties such as the volume, color, appearance, odor, foam, specific gravity, you might know when I, I explain when I talk about when I explain that you understand and pH we talked about. So these are the physical uh, properties, you know, yeah. you look at before you start talking about the chemical properties. Now, for the volume, number one, volume, volume of urine, okay, is actually is actually proportional to water intake of a person. The more right. someone's taking water the more someone should produce more urine. urine. Okay, that's not a, uh, an issue. But when it becomes an issue is when someone starts eliminating more than two liters of water in 24 hours, more than two liters, like your, I don't, I don't know, which country are you calling from? I want to, there's a uh, country the beverages here. Yeah? I mean, Benin. Oh, Benin, Benin Republic. Republic. Yeah. Benin Republic, okay, mm. okay. Oh, and you speak English this way. Okay. <laughs> I started learning a long time ago. So, 
Okay, okay. Now, if you get um, like a, like a Coke bottle now, hmm? yeah. 250 CL Coke bottle, in Coke bottle, 250 CL Coke bottle makes one mm -hmm. liter. So if someone starts urinating to um, more than that for, uh, for the Coke bottles, that is more than two liters. So it calls for serious medical attention. That is, they call it polyuria, especially when um, just, no, just even if you, you, you take too much water and you are relating that way and you no, you start producing more than two liters, four bottles of Coke, uh, Coca Cola, 250 yeah. Coca Cola. That is more than two liters. You know, this is called polyuria and it calls for concern. So the person should be advised to do a analysis test because. Diabetes mellitus can cause that type two diabetes. Right. Chronic renal failure can also cause that. And then, in the case where, where they are absent, polydipsia. You um, by someone take too much water. No, the person, the person, I don't know, but person on what cannot be explained, uh, start taking enough water. Even when the person is even filled up, person continues to take the water. Continue. You no, know? I don't know. I some people, I don't just know, but in my situations like that, maybe I, you tell somebody, take enough water so you don't have kidney stones, and then the person is afraid. Oh, I don't have kidney stones. Then the person starts consuming a lot of water. You understand? So yeah. that can also cause polyuria. So in the situation where all these things are absent, you know, um, is for confirm maybe the person is also, also taking too much water. And then there's another thing again that people, most hospitals don't check for. It is also called diabetes, but they call that diabetes insipidus. Mm -hmm. Okay? Insipidus is a non glucose diabetes. That is, it's not connected to glucose, but they also have similar uh, symptoms with diabetes mellitus. But not with the glucose. The glucose will be negative, but the person will be urinating frequently, uncontrollably, you know, all those similar things. And then those, those three P's of early symptoms of diabetes mellitus the polyuria, polydipsia, polyphagia, too much excessive eating, like phagia, polyphagia, polydipsia, too much water intake, polyuria, excess urine. So some of those things too will be related to that person. The person will be having those symptoms, and the doctor might be thinking, oh, this person is actually having uh, probably DM. And the doctor is not looking at DI, diabetes insipidus, which is also another diabetes. But people don't much, mostly don't talk about that. Yeah. And then the doctor might examine the person and say, oh, you are just fine. You are just OK. Stop uh, consuming too much water. The person goes home, and then the person dies. Or the person comes up with you know, some other issues. Oh, then. So the doctor, I mean, I said doctor. So look at the volume of, when you talk about volume, you look at, talk about polyureas. These are some things doctors will look at. Maybe the patients complain. Oh, I've been urinating frequently. I've been taking too much water. I, I, I have to I have to have increased taste. This one, that one, you know? Okay, I just say, let's do urinalysis first. Let me let's know what I'm thinking. And then recommend urinalysis test. And then we also have another condition called oligouria. Oligo means few. Then urea means urine. So few production of urine, like production of uh, 0 0.2 liters of urine in 24 hours. Yeah. 
less than, two, less than 0.2. When I say less than 0.2, it's like saying 20 cl. Okay, like half of the Coca-Cola bottle, or more, mm -hmm. more than less than half of the Coca-Cola bottle, 50 cl bottle. You know, and someone is producing, you know, in order to 24 hours, the all the urine is just like the half of the Coca-Cola bottle. So there's also another condition. Hmm? Um, and causes could be maybe probably the person had been dehydrated, maybe vomit, the person had been vomiting, maybe uh, stooling, water stool, like diarrhea. Okay, that is many someone is vomiting and person is stooling water is too. The person can also have uh, dehyd that is dehydration. That is the person no much water content, no. Yeah. And the body, the water content will be reduced. That's what I mean. So in that situation, the person will start having oligouria. That is, the person will start producing small volume of urine, but the body is trying to conserve um, water. And then you also look at what if there is what um, obstruction to urine flow, or the person is having acute glomerulonephritis. That's another kidney issue. Okay, and then these are things you look at for. These are usually from complaints before the doctor recommend uh, a urinalysis test. And then mm -hmm. anuria, anuria means and no means not at all. That is nothing, no urine. And urea to a lack of urine. So the situation whereby there's a complete absence of urine formation. You know, so the same causes of what I just mentioned, all the things that can cause for oligurea can also cause for anuria. So the patient can, oh, I'm going to produce urine again. I don't know. So probably there's a kidney issue. The, the kidney can no longer filter urine. Uh, no, can't, you know, can't actually do all this, this function. Filtration can no longer do that. So maybe the patient might need um, external help, you know, maybe passing of catheter and the rest or something else. So now the next uh, physical property is color. Now, this one now, the patient here now is no longer in the doctor's office now, okay? Because some of the, the volume is actually from patient complaints. Even if the patient produces urine and you are to work on spots urine, you can actually tell. Whether the person is maybe due to oligurea or due to polyuria from the urine volume, because probably the person has uh, urinated off on that day before even getting that urine sample. So the yeah. patient is bound to get you low volume urine. So it can't be saying this is oligurea, this is because of polyuria or diuresis, you know, due to excessive um, water intake. So the person has come to the lab with the urine sample. So the first thing they look at is, Oh, normal urine should be straw. Straw, what I mean by straw is um, something that is like yeah, a yeah, faded yeah. yellow. Okay, faded yellow, straw, yellow, or amber. So normal urine samples should be straw, yellow, or, or amber. Amber, slightly, you know, looking darker, kind of. Or yellow, loose yellow, normally, you know, but straw, lighter in color. So you look at the color, you know, and then the color of urine is, there are three things that give urine this color, whether the straw color or, the, or everything depends on their quantity or the yellow color or the amber color. There are three things. One is uroerythrin, secondly, urochrome, a yellow pigment. Uh, then uroerythrin is a byproduct of um, red cell degradation. When red blood cells are degraded, 
And then there are other colors. You look at for pay urine or, or a colorless urine. Urine can be also be colorless. One can produce urine and urine will be looking clear. <laughs> colorless, like water. You, you might even mistake it. You say, ah, is this water the person pour for us or what? You know, colorless, pale. You know, and most uh, diabetic patient urine also come, they come that way too, some of them. I yeah. look like that. Apart from just being straw, you know, some of them can also look that way. And then uh, you know, can also look clear red. Like, um, which drink now is clear red? I don't know. You know what I mean by clear red? You just look at it. Ah, this is just red. Or, yeah, just, just let me see clear red, you call it, because you're just looking clear red. That is, in, in, when you see that kind of urine, it's actually hemoglobin urea. That is your hemoglobin. The pigment that makes the red cell red, yeah, the, the, that makes the red cell red. If the, without this pigment, now hemoglobin, what you have in the red cell is you call them, I call it them ghost cells. The mm -hmm. red cell becomes, they, be, they become ghost cells. So I call them ghost cells. But with this hemoglobin, you know, that's why you start calling them red cell because they make red cells to be red and because they help in carrying oxygen. That is the main function. So to help to transport the oxygen in your red cells. So, and then probably the clear red urine may be as a result of incompatible blood transfusion reaction. In case uh, we do this, if the doctors come and say, oh, the patient is writing to the blood, if people cross match for us, that the patient is receiving, you no? Know? Ah, the first thing to do, oh, look, I will have a urine sample of that patient. You know, yes, if you get your sample, you will see hemoglobin urea. That is, you know, at the, 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 the lysis they're talking about, because the urine should be red in color. Then there's another situation of your color of urine you look at. This is abnormal urine I'm telling you about. I've told yeah. you about, mentioned already the urine, normal urine color we have, but this one's not the abnormal ones. Then we have black or dark brown urine. Okay, black or dark brown urine. The other cost is too. Somebody, somebody is having tumor or melaloma, the tumor of the melanin, uh, um, melanin gland, or no. No, person can give you black or dark. So there are some diseases, like I come to, because there's a to urea or I come to urea, the other things, you know. Time will not permit us to start talking about all of them. They also have milky white urine. Some urine, you look at them, you've seen something that looks like milk inside or sediment, white, uh, how do I put it? They look like as if they, somebody puts something like white powder inside the urine. Yeah. I see the white powder is not dissolving. You know, looking, if you mix it together, they, they will mix with the urine and they look like milk. You know, mm -hmm. that situation, you see that more of that in accusation of microfluoriasis. What I mean by microfluoriasis, there are some worms, you know, like it's common now, it's endemic in Nigeria, and people don't know much about that. Yes, yeah, so I see that a lot in my, in the hospital where I work. Some urine yeah. you get, you see some worms, they call them microfluoria, you know, although there are some that are normal flora, there are some that are common in Nigeria, like your Wichereria bancrofti and then your Lua Lua. These two, mm -hmm. they are common. West Africa, common in Nigeria, and everywhere. Someone, someone can, some patient can come with some diseases, with itching, rashes, 
injury all over their private parts. And sometimes the injury might even be making um, um, syphilis, shank, permanent shanker of syphilis. There's this injury on their penis, you know. When I do syphilis tests and I'm negative, the best thing to do is check out for that microfiliariasis. You might see, you'd be lucky to see it, you know. And then you see sometimes people have come up with rashes, red rashes, and then itching, you know, all over. They're itching, 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 even in the private parts. So that what they might think is the water they've been using. They might change water. It will still continue. Use cream, all sorts of things. Drink all sorts of antibiotics. Use all sorts of, all sorts of things. And then the situation continues. The problem continues. It's degenerating. There's, you see, I've, I've examined, uh, I can't count the number now. It's just rampant where I work. People there, so I see. I see here. Yes, I'm here. Uh -huh. So it's just rampant. You see there with that kind of um, disease. So you um, should know. Ah, no, this is a case of microfiliariasis. So yeah. because not all urine appear that way anyway. You know, not all, all urine. They call that kyuria, but not all urine. Can come up that way. Sometimes even your nostril, yellow, amber colored urine can also carry some of this microfilaria in them. You can also look turbid as well. Yeah. Okay. So the next one is appearance or transparency. So the, the scientists used to look out for the appearance or transparency where the urine is clear. You know, a normal urine should be clear or slightly turbid. Even the turbid urine too can also be taken as normal urine, but depending on the procedure. The person took in producing the urine. And then if the person actually took enough water or the person is, if he's, you know, depending. But a cloudy urine is not actually regarded as a normal urine because uh, in some situation, when I say cloudy, it looks like cloud. The urine starts looking like cloud. The light won't be able to pass through. When you look at the urine, the, you'll be able to see light passing through it. But for a turbid urine, light will be able to pass through but you'll be seeing particles, solutes, no? Solutes in the urine. That's what I mean by turbid urine. Turbidity, yeah. high turbidity and all the rest. So, but a, 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 an ideal normal urine should be clear. So it's a situation whereby, because after some time now, if you check the urine, you see that the urine is slightly turbid. Because after, if you didn't check immediately, because urine left for some time, maybe some hours, like two or three or four, no? So slightly turbid urine too is, can also be said to be normal. And then I'll talk about, we'll come back, go back, go back some, more, some more distance later. I'm just trying to tell you some of these properties. Then odor. Now, as a good scientist, odor can tell you if this urine has actually has right track infection, even without doing dipping your stick or not. Now, a faintly aromatic urine, a, 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 a urine that has small faint aroma, you know, Faintly aromatic, sweet smelling urine, no, is yeah. actually a normal urine. That's how you know normal urine. But there are some urine, no, that have this um, fishy odor, odor smell. You know, then you that mean to you know this person has infection and it's looking cloudy or turbid. This person has infection. Urine like that, they are they hardly clear. You can't say most urine like that, they are hardly clear. Those kind of smelly urine, no. They hardly clear. And then there are some cases whereby the patient, the urine might have the free smell, might not be, become intense. 
it might become too intense. That is probably, probably if the patient is diabetic, is diabetic now, or the patient has been starving, I'm not eating for some time. Maybe the person is fasting, maybe dry fasting, three days or so, you know. Touch should have that kind of smell. The intense fruity smell or aromatic smell. That is due to ketone bodies. If you do, if you run a, a dipstick test for the patient, you find out that the patient has um, some of these um, uh, ketone, ketone bodies that are present there. So well, yeah. as, I, as I go on, you will understand what I mean. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is specific gravity. My time is fast spent. Specific gravity, the weight of urine over the weight of equal volume of distilled water. That specific gravity, also known as relative density. So what this tool actually checks for is, it measures the amount of dissolved substances, in specific gravity. If you really stop it now, this, the specific gravity should be higher than a urine that is clear. Hmm? So it, 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 if the solute particles in urine is high, specific gravity should be higher. Okay? So mm -hmm. it tells you about the, some doctors use it to detect for DI, diabetes insipidus. If the, because for diabetes insipidus, specific gravity is usually low, very low. Like the one you have 1.005 or 1.00, depending on your deep stick, um, uh, this thing, your deep stick. So it can also be like that, maybe without 1.00 or 1.005. You know, the doctors use it to check for diabetes insipidus because this is an area of diabetes that is usually neglected in the hospitals. They look for what they look for for DM, diabetes mellitus, when that is common. So this is for the specific gravity. And then pH, freshly voided urine, usually Freshly voided urine usually has a pH range of 5.0 to 6.8. On standing for a long time, urea, if it contains urea, or most urine contains urea anyway, urea is converted to ammonia and carbon monoxide, making the urine alkaline. Therefore, alkaline pH might indicate an old urine specimen. Okay, alkaline pH indicates that the urine is old. This is an old urine specimen. Although my battery is low anyway, I'm having 3%, so I don't know, but let me continue. Mm. Let me see how I can finish up within mm. by 5.35. So alkaline pH might indicate an old urine specimen, unless it is known to be fresh. So when you see our pH of urine, 7.5, 8.0, or even 9.0, depending on your stick, just know that you know, if, if urine is fresh, this is a serious bacterial infection because mm -hmm. the urea is then converted to ammonia and ammonia now makes the urine alkaline. So these are things to look out for. So then chemical examination of urine. For the chemical examination, we look out for the proteins. Normal urine contains only traces of proteins or not at all. Normal urine contains traces of proteins. So when I continue, you understand what I mean by proteins. So for this reason, a catheterized urine or a clean catch or mainstream urine is, a, is advised because semen is a protein on its own. Yeah. Some of you finished having said, I said that earlier. But the vaginal washings or the secretion, the discharge, you know, mucus, you know, all these things, they are proteins. They can also increase, make the protein to be detected, maybe as trace, or if possible, self. 
but depends on the person's judgment. But it's mostly stress. No, you write protein as stress. Now, if protein becomes one plus, what people causes could be urinary tract infection, or a patient is, patient is having hypertension or fever, or a person passing through severe emotional stress, or a patient, a person just feeling maybe exercise can also cause that. So it can also lead to this, they call it mild proteinuria. Person, patient is said to be having mild proteinuria. Then if protein is moderate, like two plus, causes could include chronic glomerulonephritis, multiple myeloma, preeclampsia, you know, pregnant women, having HT, um, hypertension, and then they might not be able to deliver through normal delivery. Okay, this is a, a very serious patient. Protein is very serious in pregnancy. Ladies that are pregnant and they check for proteins and protein is showing, no, very serious. It, it only indicates that the patient tries to deliver, if it's not controlled, to, by normal pregnancy, by normal delivery, patient might die. That is the, that is the, that is the situation, that is the meaning. Not my die, my okay, mostly yeah, my die. You should put it that way. So preeclampsia is a serious condition for most pregnant women. And then the other, there's a pyelonephritis too. You're gonna look at it, the kidney issue. So when you see two plus, you know, they are not something you keep. You know, you keep to yourself. That's why they said you should, especially abnormal results should be released as soon as possible. You know, the result should be ready within five to 10 minutes. It's not, doesn't take time. Then if the protein is showing three plus, it's, that is marked proteinuria, causes could be include acute or chronic glomerulonephritis and nephrotic syndrome and et cetera. Then glucose, if someone sees glucose, starts seeing glucose in urine, present in glucose for urine, glucose to start in urine, that means the blood glucose would have been more than 180 milligram per DL or 10 millimole per liter. Okay, in the blood before the, this um, glucose will start being present in the urine because in normal urine glucose is absent or in trace amount in normal urine for so someone mm -hmm. is normal glucose uh, being present is negligible. So if you start seeing glucose one plus, two plus, three plus is a serious matter, and the doctor has to be notified or it will be stated in the result that the patient actually has this condition. And then, and glucose is the only carbohydrate that is, that causes pathology, that is of pathological significance in the body. Lactose is not that significant in urine, like, uh, like talking about lactosuria. Sucrose is not significant in the urine, sucrosuria, or talk about motos, fructose, you know, from taking a lot of fruits, the, the, that is the, this thing you get from, the sugar you get from taking a lot of fruit, that is fructose, you know, they're not too serious, even though they are much, they are high, you know, and the distance in the, but that's why some United States used to have ascorbic acid, you know, there's what they call ascorbic acid parameter. So in case you whereby, uh, you know, patients complaining, there are some things you should be careful. That one is another issue altogether, but when our time goes on, we, we might touch that again. So because of my time, I'm rushing actually because of my time. And then ketone bodies. Yes, this, now I want to talk more about this. Belo this belongs to a, three, a group of three related substances. We have acetone, acetoacetic acid, and beta-hydroxybutyric acid. These are three things that we call, we call them ketone bodies. They, they, they can give rise to each other. 
you know, depending on what to favor the other, you know. And then once the body cannot use glucose, once the brain cannot use glucose, you know, the next line of action is to start breaking down fats. Glucose is the blood, but they cannot, they can't use it because the receptors are not responding. The body cannot use it for energy. So they start using fat, breaking down fat in the body. And some of those fat will start being converted to acetone, uh, acetoacetic acid, and beta-hydroxybutyric acid. Now, obviously, when they are high in your body, in the bloodstream, they can cause, they cause the brain to damage, to, to shut down. They are high. If the person is diabetic, or even if the person is not diabetic, there's this is a cause of coma. Somebody is, is walking on the way now and the person fainted or the person falls down and faints. You know, that is as a result of, as a result of, um, what's it called? Um, ketone bodies, coma, the person will feeling dizzy. The eyes between the person. If you put this uh, acetone, for example, in the lab, you know, and you smell it with your nose, you smell it, you'll be feeling kind of, you'll be feeling somehow. I don't know if you've attempted, I don't know if you've visited the lab before. And you smell acetone, some of these things, when you smell them, it's the way they, they make you feel somehow. How much more when they're in the, in the blood? So they can shut down the brain, shut down your body system. So when the patient, um, when the brain is shutting down, the person is in coma, they call that diabetic keto and it's due to the sugar diabetes diabetes they call it diabetic ketoacidosis because they are due to ketone bodies and these are acid acetone especially the beta hydroxy butyric acid and the acetoacetic acid you know they call them because you can't uh, in this blossom that they can give rise to the other they exist like that in that in those three states so they said the patient has so it's a serious condition. And from that keto acidosis, that coma, the patient dies. So it's very serious. And in yeah. some cases, potassium too will be low. So EUC, electrolyte test, might also be recommended too in this situation. Because sometimes potassium is depleted. So this is a very important. So urinalysis is very is paramount. So there are other things I need to also talk about. OK, then there's another one, bilirubin and urobilinogen. Okay, this is another issue, another marker. Breakdown of um, rep is gradient being, and then try that. Uh, and then if the blue pin is not, this blue pin now, unconjugated blue pin now, as it comes to the liver, it has to be conjugated so it can be excreted by the kidney. By giving you this, uh, you know, conjugated with a uh, glucuronic acid. So when you conjugate it, you call it conjugated bilirubin. From there, it passes to the intestine. Then it also gives you uh, stool, the yellow color. Why you have yellow color or brown color in your stool? It's because of this bilirubin, urobilinogen issue, this thing, you know, those breakdowns. So uh, that's urobilinogen converted to, you know, even your yellow color. Uh, stand um, being broken down for urobilin to urobilin that gives you that, as I mentioned earlier gives you part of the color or in the stool they call it stacobilin or stacobilinogen breaking down to stacobilin gives the stool its yellow color or brown color so all this is from a red color of blood broken down to yellow or brown color finally you know all these things in the bit for the kidney so that the it will be excreted because excess of it is not good for the body, so they have to be, you know, excreted 
you know, degraded. But for it to be degraded, it has to be conjugated in the liver, this blue rubin. So, and uh, so when you see this blue rubin that is present, it will tell you that oh, this patient has uh, liver issue, has something to do with liver. You know, has had liver issue. Blue rubin one plus, two plus. You know, there are some issues. So the, what the doctor, if there are no other issues, what the doctor will recommend is liver function test. Please run a liver function test for this patient. Okay, even the protein. If protein is present, the doctor can also say, run a liver function test for this patient or uh, a kidney function test for this patient. So let me, let me go ahead because of my time. Then the our next one, we have leukocytes. What is actually measured here, uh, being measured here is leukocyte esterase, it's an enzyme, okay? It's an enzyme. So the azurophilic or primary granules of granulocytes, mainly the neutrophils, demonstrate esterase activity. Here, the ester, ester, what I mean by ester? Um, how do I put it? The way you have uh, salt, you know, I don't know how to explain it, go further, but I'm trying to make you understand. Ester like can be something like a soup, you know, mm -hmm. when acid, that base, you get salt. But when uh, something like, let's say, an alcohol or something, and then react with another group or another group like that, they can give you ester. I don't want to, I don't know how to come close to Lehman, this thing, but that's what I mean, an ester. So an ester, will be degraded by an esterase, the enzyme, esterase, enzyme is something that causes a reaction to happen fast, very fast. You know, it's a substance, it's a protein, some, in some cases, protein, to give you alcohol. So if esterase act on ester, it will give you alcohol. The alcohol will combine with the diazonium salts that they impregnate in the, in the strip to give you a purple azodye. A purple dye, a, a purple color. So the intensity of the color will tell you the degree, whether it's one plus, two plus, three plus of leukocyte uh, to indicate. And when you see leukocyte plus, whether three, so one plus, two plus, it indicates urinary tract infection. Person has urinary tract infection. And the culture is um, the culture is usually recommended. Although the doctor might continue with, you know. I, I guess drug, oh, let me try this drug. This drug has been working for maybe 99% of patients. Try it while the result comes out. Then if you can cope, then you ask the patient to come back after 48 hours in most cases. Because after the cultural results would have been ready, come back for the results and you give the patient the results. And then the final one I want to mention because of my time here is nitrite. Now, some bacteria like E. coli and some coliforms, E. coli, when I say E. coli, Escherichia coli is a bacterium that can um, uh, cause to nitrite, okay? When I say nitrate, nitrate is a salt, can be a salt, usually a salt, to another um, salt, nitrite. So we convert NO3, sort to NO2 to reducing the uh, oxidation state from plus five to plus three. So when you see nitrite, it points is a pointer to E. coli or some other coliforms that is that are related to E. coli, like your it might be Klebsiella, 
Okay, and then this can give you idea of what you're actually looking at for. So when you see this, and it takes, and this conversion really takes about four hours to be, you know, to happen. Okay, it takes about four hours to happen with E. coli. So if uh, it's not enough cases whereby someone has infection that you see, or sure E. coli, that you will see uh, nitrite positive. Person can have nitrite, person nitrite may be negative, leukocyte might be positive or even trace or not at all. And then the culture is showing this patient has Escherichia coli. Yes, it's still correct because for nitrite, officially, it takes four hours for this conversion to happen. So in the situation where the patient produced the urine at the time of doing culture, you might not see nitrite. The patient is complaining and doctor says, go to the lab and the lab gives bottle. Oh, you are complaining, you're complaining. Get your urine. The patient produces urine and then and it's taking. So you won't say, oh, because there's no nitrite, the result is invalid. No. So I think I should stop here. Uh, and the other things also look at so this dipstick. I'm talking about the analysis dipstick. We have combi two, the one that checks for glucose and protein. The one nurses use best side for to check for glucose and protein. We have combi nine, or other have combi, other combi, but the common ones now combi nine, or depending on the company. Okay, we can call it you, you um. Depend is very uh, common. Come on. You know, and then uri screen nine or uri screen ten, we have eleven, we have twelve. Now the one we use in our lab now is fourteen. It has fourteen parameters. It can also check for creatinine. It can also check for microalbumin. It can also check for um, calcium, and then also check for ascorbic acid. Apart from all that ten parameters that are common that people know about, the pH, the specific gravity, the glucose, the leukocyte, the nitrite, the protein, the etc. Those 10 parameters, some of them I mentioned all alone. The other people check, but my own now checks additional four parameters. And this is also necessary because someone might be having serious kidney disease and you might not know. So it's good to check them, get the latest uh, diphtic and use it for your test. Mm -hmm. And I believe what is what doing is what doing well. So thank you for the audience. Thanks a lot for your I don't time. know your Thanks. name. Oh, I'm Robertson. Robertson. Okay, Mr. Robertson Klenga. Yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot uh, thank for taking you. the time to do this. I'm sure everyone that's listening to it is going to have learned a lot about a lot more about your analysis and why it's an important test to do what some of the different parameters that are actually tested are and what each one can give you an idea of when it comes to your health. So it's a very important test. It's one we need to do more often. It's one that laboratory should spend more time on. Thanks a lot. And hopefully we'll have you again very soon to enlighten us a little bit more about this. Yeah, um, my pleasure. Yeah. Okay, yeah, take care. Bye. Nice.